On this edition of Larry the Golf Guy, we talked to Mike Lostalot, who uh, is uh, had an interesting career in the golf industry. Mike comes from a family of uh, PGA professionals, his dad, his granddad, his brother, um, and Mike was uh, certainly a very strong player as a youngster and um, played at varsity golf at uh, Arizona State um, and um, you know had a had a significant notable career as junior and collegiate player um, and um, but unlike his uh, family he did not go down the golf professional path he did not go down the um, uh, professional golfer on tour path either um, but rather uh, interestingly, he has sort of made a career of um, using data to more efficiently, uh, or I should say to help clubs more efficiently run their operations, um, electronic tee sheets, benchmarking, and the like. Um, and um, uh, is currently the co-founder of Sagacity Golf, which uh, specializes in using golf course data to help managers and owners improve their courses performance and managers manage their tea time inventory so we talk about all of that and uh, the growth of data in managing um, golf facilities and um, how he thinks about it and the products he's developed um, and uh, hopefully you'll uh, see the passion that he has for this which i think comes through loud and clear and really a fun conversation about um, managing facilities and um, uh, very interesting. So up next on this edition of Larry the Golf Guy, Mike Lostalot, um, co-founder of Sagacity Golf. Welcome to another edition of Larry the Golf Guy and I am really pleased today to welcome um, uh, to our show, uh, Mike Lostalot, who is uh, had a really interesting career in different aspects of um, golf and data, and we'll get into all that and and include and we'll talk about how it comes from a whole family of of golf pros. Uh, Mike, welcome very much to the show. Thank you, Larry. Great to be here. Appreciate Great. it. Great, yeah, our my pleasure. So. Maybe let's just sort of to give folks a little bit of context for you, go back to the beginning a little bit. And and I think you grew up in the Santa Cruz area and I know your dad, yeah. brother involved in golf. Maybe chat a little bit, if you could, about kind of how you got involved in, in golf and your first introduction to the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, actually, there's, one, there's the, the original the original member of the PGA of America was my grandfather, Edward Lost a Lot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I I was um he he actually he was act he was actually a first generation American um born in Oakland, California. His father, uh Pierre, um came and uh and his point of entry was San Francisco back in the day. Uh and uh he came from the 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 Pyrenees region of uh, southern France and 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 whatnot and so my 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 grandfather was a was a restaurateur in Sacramento or excuse me in in, in Oakland and um, and apparently many members or a few of the members of Arinda Country Club frequented yeah. his restaurant and um, 
and 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 you know and apparently their club had food and beverage issues and so they asked my grandfather to come and run it and uh yeah. and and I think that's when he picked up a club for his in the middle of his life and wow wow uh, and, and became a became a member of the PGA of America became a, you know golf professional and uh became a teacher and uh so 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 his two sons Gary and Victor um they and 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 his daughter gail um they actually went he left riverview and went up to uh excuse me left orinda went up to riverview in redding california okay and and, and uh, built the back nine at riverview golf and country club made it an 18 hole golf uh private you know member owned club and then uh they moved to sacramento which is where i was born in 1960 two mm-hmm. so my granddad as we referred to him um uh, opened up valley high golf and country club in 1962 wow uh, my dad was playing on the pga tour back in in those days my parents were married i think probably earlier in 61 or 62 uh 61 um so my dad you know had that 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 hard scrabble pga golf uh, PGA touring professional life where they were, you know, loading me in a car and driving, you right. know, uh, 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 you know, tournament to tournament. And, you know, so he, I think he, he did that for about a year uh, and then went back to Valley High and worked, worked for my granddad. And then he got a job uh, at Sunnyside in Fresno, University of Coyas, Sequoia Sunnyside Country Club in Fresno, where we moved for uh, two, two and a half, three years. Uh, my brothers, Dave and Timmy, uh, I think Dave was probably born in Sac. Timmy might have been born in Fresno. I'm not sure. Um, um, but then my dad uh, was, uh, uh, it's funny, uh, Steve Mincinella would be another good uh, good industry um, person to talk to. Steve um, uh, uh, was uh well, I'll say that for a different day. Anyway, my dad moved to Santa Cruz to open De La Viega, which was the municipal golf course that was just coming out of the ground in 1970, um, and uh, and and opened that club as a, as a concessionaire for the city of Santa Cruz, and um, and our families never left. Uh, 50, wow. 52 years, fifty three years later, my dad retired. Um, I don't know, probably fifteen years ago. My brother Timmy. Um, we all we all went through De La Viega. So there's a whole there's a whole podcast on De La Viega. <laughs> uh, <laughs> every municipal golf course, these things have uh, you know lives of their own. So yeah, right. I was yeah I was I was born into the game. Uh, I into the business. Uh, I picked up a golf club right when I could walk. Um, wow. You know, so so as as we all did, and. Uh, and uh, and it's been a great it's been a it's been a great life. Um, it's been a really really great life. So so yeah, golf. Um, you know, golf, golf. I could talk all day about it. <laughs> <laughs> so you and we both could. So um, so you. I sounds like you sort of did various jobs at the course. You know, as kind of as a youngster, right? <laughs> Picking the range, cleaning the carts, all that stuff. I assume. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, you when you're when you're the son of of a PGA golf professional in the 1970s at a municipal golf course, right? You are, you are, you are child labor, right? You are. <laughs> right. So as soon as I could, as soon as I could, 
you know, drive a golf cart. I was parking carts and washing carts and picking the range. As soon as I could, you know, uh, look over the cash register, I was behind the counter, right? And and checking in golfers. And, you know, and it's, you know, back before golf was really cool, right? So, right. So, so and and the other, you know, I, I, I'd gotten your email, you know, kind of prepping this call. Yeah. And I, and, you know, and I, I, ha- I wrote some thoughts down and one of the, you know, and, and, and really, cause, cause it's fun to talk. I mean, I, I, you know, we can talk about how I got here, but we can also talk about where I am and yeah, and we'll definitely do that. And, yeah. And, you know, and, and so, you know, technology has been a part of my, uh, you know, profession, it's been part of my awareness since, um, since the very beginning, because, you know, Santa Cruz in 1970 was a, you know, was a bedroom community for the Silicon Valley and it's right. days, right? And right. so Absolutely. Semiconductor uh, uh, was, I think, the first famous one, right? Or, and, and, and IBM had, had, a, had, a, had, a, had an operation there and, and, a, a, and, and a lot of those guys lived in Santa Cruz and played golf. And so, and yeah. so, you know, John Rhodes, you know, one of one just an you know an engineer at IBM wrote my dad a program to to actually process the 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 deposits because as my as as you know as that job as as the as the per, as the concessionaire for the golf operation, his responsibility was to collect the green fee money and make deposits to the city right. because was right. their money right 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 so so my dad so he had this 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 he, so he had dual floppy drives you know on wow. his computer <laughs> on his desk in like 19 whatever 76 77 80 i can't remember exactly when so so technology's been you know part of part of my life ever since and um you know so that's you know that that to me was an interesting that that was that was my entry into into technology that's very interesting because i you that you actually answered one of the things i was wondering about is because you obviously and we're going to get to it in a minute or two all the all the um uh technology based uh, ventures you've done in golf over your career and i was sort of wondering what kind of tipped you in that direction and i didn't i should have um you know having knowing Stanford as well as I do and every bit up there, I should have connected those dots and I didn't. That's uh, and I yeah. certainly know Santa Cruz, but um, that's fascinating that yeah, he would have it, it, he had a, a member or, or someone who played at the municipal course, write a program, yeah. you know, back then that's, yeah, that's, I yeah. love it. Yeah. It was awesome. It was awesome. And it, and it, and you know, and it, you know, my dad was super data driven guy because he would always, he loved, and you know, he could run a 10 key, like an accountant. Right. Right. Uh, right. So, you know, so, so yeah, and we, you know, we install, I went to Arizona State University. It's funny, right? I, 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 I grew up probably surfing more, more than I was golfing. Right. And, and well, it is Santa Cruz after all. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. You know, it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was a great childhood, right? I mean, you played golf, you go to the beach, you play golf, you work at the golf course, right? You, you know, you know, and, and so, you know, the thing about, um, you know, you know, and, and the, the Western intercollegiate came through town and I was decent as a golfer, right? My instruct, my, 
you know, I, I was I was blessed with great mechanics, good teacher. My dad was a great, you know, mentor because he yeah. never really got in your way, yeah. you know, and, and so it was just a really fun, fun upbringing and one that couldn't be replicated today because of how focused and specialized all the kids are, you know, in sport, right? So I, I was surfing and golfing, surfing and surfing, surfing and golfing and, and other stuff. And my dad, you know, I didn't even think about college, frankly. And my dad, you know, took me up to Pasatiempo and like yeah. 70, my 79. And he said, Hey, you know, meet George Bautel, the coach at Arizona state university. Yeah. George yeah. looked at me, He's like, dude, you can't play for me. Uh, you should go to this JC in Scottsdale. And so I went to junior college and, and uh and we had a great team we never lost a match in in two years we won the wow. national championship my sophomore year and then wow. and, and that got me into asu and i where i lettered and 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 went to a national went and and went to the ncaa's and probably my highlight of my golfing career was standing you know on the 50th hole at Pasatiempo in the intercollegiate with the league right playing wow Playing wow. with Duffy Waldorf and Sam Randolph, right? Oh my you know God, those famous. are some big California oh, golf dude, names, it was, right it was there. Awesome. It was it was awesome, and I had a huge gallery out there, right? And you know, it was it was just so fun. And it's one of those classic moments. And I'd won in college, right? I'd won, and I'd had success, and I was was I was I was decent. And but it's those classic moments where the where where everything sped up. Right. And I, and I just, I, I, the wheels fell off. Right. I like hard 14, hard 15, hard 16, and then bogeyed 17 and almost hit it in the pool on 18. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, it was a disappointing end, but the good news is, is that uh, I, I, I still remain uh, the low individual finisher from Santa Cruz in the Western Intercollegiate, and not to ever be outdone by my by my little shit brother Timmy, he of course came along back, you know, in his senior year and tied me. Ah, I love <laughs> like it. Like I shot the course record at the La Viega, and he went out a week later and tied it. Right. Oh God, so, I, I so. love it. I love it. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, there's so many different off ramps we could talk about there. I mean, Pasatiempo is, you know. For someone who loves golf architecture, which I certainly do, I mean, I've only played it once. I mean, what a stellar gem, especially that back nine. Yeah. It's just a brilliant course. Um, and I thought about when I saw Santa Cruz and I, I know where, you know, the Vega is. I, I know Pastiampo is not far away. So that's interesting. You've had that experience there. But let me sort of <laughs> ask you this. Um, so yeah, we only uh, have an hour here, right? right? We all have an hour. I, all these topics. I could talk about Pastiampo for an hour, um, but um, it's so brilliant. Um and of course, Mackenzie lived, you know, all this Mackenzie yeah. lived off the sixth hole. The yeah. la- last I mean, listen, couple of years, Marion Hollins developed the place. Right. right. I mean, That's right. And of course, Marion Hollins. I mean, we'd be playing the 16th at Cyprus as a par four, but for Marion Hollins. Right. Exactly. Your famous story of, you know, showing that it could be a par three when they led. Anyways, we could talk about all that. We'll have to do another one on, on golf architecture. But but just um, to sort of I want I'm interested just sort of the ASU and kind of let me tee it up this way. Um, so you obviously do have a lot of gaming. You don't, 
you don't letter at ASU um, with the strength of that program. I know you were probably a few years before. I was trying to think who would have been there. A few years before Phil, Billy Mayfair, I don't know if he was around back then. It's probably close. Billy, but... Billy was a freshman when I was a senior, and I can okay. tell you Billy's story if you want. But yeah, keep going. <laughs> I, knew, I knew I had issues in terms of my commitment to golf. When, uh, when I was a senior, we went and played at uh, uh, Industry Hills in a tournament. I can't even. Yeah, not far from where I am, right so in we, California. So we yeah. drove, we, you know, we jump in a van back in the day and drive, you know, drive, you know, the six and a half hours and, and we pull up into the hotel and George throws me the keys, right? Because I was the senior and, you know, you know, and, and, uh, and, and so George says me the keys, I'm rooming with Billy. And so we get in and this first trip, this is Billy's first trip. So, you know, I get in, we get into the hotel room and Billy, you know, opens up his case and, you know, his clothes are all folded neatly. He's got a dozen tightless golf balls sitting right there and he pulls the balls out and I'm saying, Billy, we're going down to Newport beach to get some pizza. You want to come with us? <laughs> He's like, no, I'm going to mark my golf balls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. We're out of here. <laughs> I mean, so at that moment, I walked out that room and I'm just like, okay, well, he's a different kind of cat. And uh, if that's what it takes to play professionally, I'm out. So, and that's actually kind of where I wanted to go with you. So, so you obviously have a lot of skill. And I'm just always curious, you're at a point now, you're graduating um, ASU. Uh, what are you, you're, you're steeped in golf, um, obviously your family, all your experience. Tell me kind of your thought process then. I mean, did you think about trying to play professionally? Did you think about going, cause you obviously pretty quickly got into this sort of data stuff, which we'll, yeah. we're going to talk about, but what was your thought process career wise at that moment in your life and how you ended up making the decision you did to go the direction you did in retrospect? In retrospect, it comes down to one thing. Okay. It comes down to believe. Can you, can you, can, did, did you, can you believe that you have what it takes? And I, I didn't, I didn't have the belief in myself. Interesting. Okay. I mean, that's a, that's an honest statement as you're going to get from anybody, right? I just, yeah, that's, that is it, 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 it you know, Ha, 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 yeah, so it's been it's been a, it's something that I've thought about a lot, right? I didn't take it seriously so so much, and it, it was kind of just a thing to do, and you know, and I and 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 to be successful in anything, as you know, you just have to believe in yourself, and and for whatever reason. Uh, I chose not to believe in myself when I, when I, when I could have, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, so I, I played the golden state tour for a little bit, you know, didn't do worth a shit. You know, I, you know, I moved back to Santa Cruz, went to work for my dad. Right. And so kind of got okay. into that whole Santa Cruz scene again, which was, you know, which doesn't lend itself to commitment, right? The right. same guys, the <laughs> same guys that were lining up on Main Beach, you know, to play volleyball, right? Uh, in the summer, were waiting tables and rest, working at bars and restaurants, but they were on the beach, you know, having right. a great day. And and so, you know, there many of them are still there today, <laughs> and 
know, I kind of, I, I just was, I was, I was just trying to figure it out. And, uh, you know, you talk about Phil, you know, there's a, there's a connection here too with Steve Loy. Steve, yeah. Steve oh, was my right. Coach. Yeah. Steve was my coach at ASU or at Scottsdale college. And, and oh wow, I didn't know he went back yeah. to Scottsdale College. Yeah. Well, right. no, okay. that's where he started, right? He started as an assistant football coach, right? Oh, that- you know, so I didn't. So, yeah, and just for everybody's listen, we'll get. I mean, Steve Loy obviously is a longtime Phil, you know, agent and, and stuff, but I didn't realize, and I knew he was a coach, I didn't realize he went back to Scottsdale Community College. Yeah, wow, yeah, we started SEC, and then when we won that championship, we all. I went to ASU, Metzger went to UCLA, Greg uh, Peters went to Houston, uh, Brett Bennyhoff went to uh, uh, Weber State, and Steve went to Arkansas as the head golf coach at Arkansas, and that's where he recruited Daly or Ad Daly, you know, oh. and then in 90, in 91, 90, uh, I graduated in 85, I went to work for my dad, worked for him long enough to know that I couldn't work for my dad right and and pick and and called steve one i'm like hey coach you got anything for me he just i think he was one year back at asu he said come down to be my assistant coach and so i came back to scottsdale wow to okay. Tempe, and was the assistant coach is where i met my wife elizabeth uh but but i was the assistant coach in that night in the year that when phil was a sophomore where we won our first national championship so wow you know i'm I'm a trivia question, right? I've got a, I've got the the two national championships with Steve Loy, right? And uh, wow, yeah, that so, is that's a great trivia question. I like that one. Um, <laughs> so, so how long Steve were you? Probably doesn't remember. <laughs> Uh, so how long, I know you ended up, at least I pick up the trail at Par Golf, I think in sort of 94, but so we're, so you're, were you at, uh, was the assistant to Steve for a couple one, of years? One year, one year, right? I I worked for Steve long enough to know that I could only handle him for one year Got it. and Got I was going to get married and I needed quote a real job. And so, um, <laughs> I picked up the phone and I called uh, a guy who used to, used to work for my dad named Dan Kowal, and he was running a course up in uh, Napa called the Chardonnay Club. And, okay. And so he hired me to come out as a marketing manager. And so Chardonnay was owned by um, a Japanese individual named uh, Hideki or uh, Hideshika Kobayashi. Uh, he, 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 yeah, Kobayashi and Kobayashi owned Chardonnay. He owned uh, some property in in Virginia of all places, and some property in Georgia, and some pro- and a piece of property in Izmir, Turkey. Okay, so wow, that's interesting. That's geography. a whole nother story, right? <laughs> but anyway, I I I got into the you know I, I got into to being an owner's rep for a, a guy who was trying to build golf courses and he'd he'd connected with a with an architect named algae pulley okay so there's a name for your architect uh yeah that podcast, is <laughs> right so 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 anyway i found my so my wife and i moved to virginia to open up one of these golf courses this is in you know this is 90 91 92 um, early 93, you know, with w- that whole, you know, the Japanese invasion of gold. Yeah, of sure. Pebble was bought by, right, by, right. By Sumitomo, I guess. Yeah. And, and, and there's a lawyer, Derek Takeuchi, a Stanford guy who was representing the family's interest and hey, they had these properties. And so I, I was an owner's rep. I didn't know Jack shit about golf course development, but I was learning and and maddening, you know, everybody along the way, but ended up opening this golf course in Richmond. 
outside of Richmond, actually. Um, and we installed a computerized point of sale system there. And that's when I saw my first electronic T-sheet, right? That's when I said, oh. And I also realized at that point that I couldn't really, um, I, I, I describe it this way, I can't be nice enough long enough to be in the golf hospitality business. My, yeah. my father was fantastic at that. My brother, Timmy, is fantastic at that. My brother, Dave, and I, we like hate people, right? We're, it's <laughs> not, we're not that personable. And so I found myself, I built this golf course and I was running this golf course and, and I'm like, I hate it. This is the worst. Yeah. I can't deal with this. And so I had installed a T-sheet and a point of sale system. And to fast to go back, right, we actually installed a computerized system at De La Viega in 1985, right? So, and Smith Business Systems out of Canton, Ohio, was one of the first kind of golf-focused point retail point of sale systems. And so I've been exposed, you know, I had that early exposure into, you know, into the, into the skunk work, at, you know, De La Viega project. And then we put a real computer system in to run the point of sale system. And then fast forward probably another seven years. And I'd, and I'd seen an electronic T-sheet at, at this, at this course that I'd opened Royal Virginia golf club. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm out of the day to day. I want to, I, I, I kind of immediately connected the dots in my mind just in a flash. I'm like, oh, T, this, this computerized T sheet will ultimately live and be connected to many other T sheets, just like airlines are doing right now with, with hotels, uh, with, with airline seats. Right. So, so I'm like, okay. And, and I ended up uh, I don't even know how, and I ended up with Par, which was cool because it was Grant Spaith, right? And Grant was, you know, uh, he was a he was a Stanford Law grad. And well, USGA the, kind of a le legendary USGA. guy. Well, he was an icon in the USGA yeah, until he yeah, until he touched the third rail and tried to democratize the handicap system, and they yeah. outlawed him. They right. threw him out. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. just ridiculous. Right? I know. I yep. mean, one of the greatest injustices ever, because there isn't, there wasn't a greater man and a larger than life guy. He was just fantastic and a great mentor to me. His his advice to me is, my, he said, Mike, write 500 words a day. Right, 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 right. Interesting. Right, right. I like that. Right, 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 right. And I still remember that and I still try to write and I still suck at it. <laughs> so, um yeah, so, so I, went par, par, for, I went to work for par. Yeah, I went yeah. to work for par. I mean, listen, there's a whole hour and a half discussion about this whole thing, right? I, and so I I literally, I'm probably one of the few souls in the golf industry that have this kind of continuous 25-year, you know, trajectory through the technology space, right? You know, and so, I mean, we we were selling, you know, we were selling um, client server T-sheets and point-of-sale systems. And, you know, I was basically, you know, calling on golf. And I moved back to Scottsdale, right? I moved back to Arizona. I was right. living in Virginia. I got hired by PAR, wanted to move west. They said, "Come," you know, I'm like, well, I, I went to school at ASU, go to, you know, go to Phoenix. My wife wanted to go back to Newport, and she still is, is bitter that we haven't made it all the way back there yet because <laughs> that's where she grew up. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, you know, I was, I was, I was 
explaining to PGA golf professionals in 1993, the benefits of moving off of pencil and paper and onto an electronic. So what would, so tell me, what, what was your kind of elevator pitch back then? If, if for a PGA professional who is doing paper and pencil, what would you say to them? Oh God, that's a great question. What would I say to them? I would say, listen, you can, you can track your no-shows and block them from booking the prime times, right? It, there was no elevator pitch. I don't have an elevator pitch if you haven't figured that out yet. Right? <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of a it's kind of a it's kind of an all-engrossing thing. My elevator pitch today is let us help you make more money. Right. You know. Right. Let me help you. That's that's the bottom line, right? And uh, I mean, we connect. You know, we were installing T sheets when people were using pencil and paper. We were connecting T sheets together and to and 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 making it available for packagers and wholesalers to book before anybody else was doing that. You know, we put booking engines on websites in the very first. You know, when when I, when I go to Cypress Golf Solutions, you know, we we were we were aggregating T sheets and point of sale systems on a on a on a on a market marketplace booking site golf now and we sold that to comcast and right. you know and i spent five years with the golf channel you know kind of socializing that business inside of that organization i had the great fortune of being able to open that business up in 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 you know great britain and ireland so i spent you know spent a fair amount of time over there for a couple of years that's where i met the car family right the you right. know golf, talk about golf royalty yeah really um, yeah. Yeah. So, so had a had a lot of interaction with Marty, a little bit with Roddy, a little bit with John, less with John, but mainly Marty. Just one of the greatest, one of the greatest, you know, friends you could ever have. So he was awesome. Um, met Steve John, a buddy of mine, who's the CEO of the Monterey Peninsula Foundation. You know, he his dad, you know, was you know see the see the USA in a Chevrolet, right? His dad was you know working in 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 Detroit as an ad guy, right? And for for General Motors, and so you know my childhood acquaintances of ours, the Prolos owned the Chevy dealer in Santa Cruz. Prolo sold it. The, the Chevy dealer, you know, the, the home company bought it, sold it to the John family. And Steve John shows up, you know, at De La Viega in 1985, you know, going to a Qantas meeting, right? And we've been fast friends ever since. Wow. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I, I'm I'm rambling, but but it's a, it's a one degree of separation thing, maybe two. So you go through all these different positions. What's the other data aspect? And we'll, we'll get to Sagacity where you are now and co-founder in a second, but sort of what, besides electronic T-sheets, what are the other kind of data aspects that you're sort of bringing to the table in these various positions as your career is advancing? Yeah, I, I mean, well, first of all, it was tea times, right? It was, it was bringing tea times to, because when you think about, when you think about horses that are public, um, you know, 80% of the revenue is driven off the T-sheet, right? right. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the engine that drives the golf industry. And, and, and golf, that tee that time, you know, is in this, in this kind of economic model, right? It's a, there's a fixed cost to this asset. There's high fixed cost, low variable cost. There's an expiring inventory, right? You know? There's there's multiple channels of distribution to book. There's multiple customer groups. And so, you know, trying to find the right sweet spot to optimize the revenue or maximize the revenue at a golf course is something that, 
you know, to this day is not addressed, in my opinion, you know, well enough in terms of the whole industry. And so there, you know, this, so to be able, and when you talk about, you know, occupancy and average rate and revenue per available round, those, you know, those are the three, you know, key metrics that, 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 that someone who's responsible for driving revenue at the course those are those are the that those are the those are the metrics that you that you that you review because they're the feedback loop for the sales and marketing efforts that you that you make you know you know what do, do i you know how am i going to price my do do i change my do, do i change my price seasonally do i change my price daily do i change my price by the hour of the day do i create a loyalty program for rewarding those frequent golfers do i create an annual pass program so somebody could you know pay up front and pay for the year and you know what kind of how do i go up out outside play or corporate events or you know or charitable events you know how do i there's a whole mix to how you put the building blocks together to prop for a profitable golf course and there's 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 a, a whole bunch of different ways to go about it but the idea is that it all distills down to how how many people went through my you know factory and how much did i collect and and you know that 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 uh, that product is called RevPar, and is my RevPar growing or is my RevPar declining? And it's not enough to know if it's just you know changing compared to my his historic. You really need in in order to really understand the business, you have to understand how your RevPar changes in the context of your market. And that doesn't exist in golf. And that's what we tried to create with Orca. And we're still trying to create it today. You know, it's, it, it, I mean, it's a, it's a very deep dive into this thing, right? We, yeah, I mean, you know, so, so yeah, we, I, I went around, you know, I, I, I saw my, I, I, I got hired by a company, um, by, by a management company in 2015 um, to analyze you know their their t sheet right and so right. i dug in data i sucked the data all out and i started to mash it up together and then i basically put some data in front of them and i said do you realize that you know you're redeeming loyalty rounds of golf for free in a in, you know at eight o'clock on friday and saturday mornings Right. You know, you, you, do you do you even realize that? And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you know, you know, you've got 10 percent of your play is going off the first tee at zero dollars. Right. Be, right. And these are these are these are these are your busiest hours. These are your right. Most That's prime hours. time for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're like, you know, and so and I'm like and I'm like, does nobody else know this either? And so I picked up a phone and I called a buddy of mine who owns a hotel. And I'm like, do you guys use the star report? And he's like, of course, we use the Star Report, right? Smith Travel Research. These guys have been around for like 35 years. That's that drives everything in logic, right? It drives everything in logic. It drives deal making. It drives management company agreements. It drives compliance. It drives compensation. Everything, right? And the and and he's like, this is what we use every day. I don't get up. I look at it every day, and I'm like, can you? Can you send me one? Let me look at it. And I'm like, oh, well, I can make this for golf. And and so we started to hack that together. And, um, you know, and, and the problem is, is that the golf industry doesn't have the institutional knowledge 
uh, yet built up to be able to even decipher that. And the revenue side of the golf industry is so much smaller than lodging. There is there isn't the revenue, you know, there isn't the revenue stream to support that kind of knowledge. And so, so I found myself out there in the wilderness with this report that, that can basically, you know, answer any question, right? I can, I can get a course of three years history and I could walk into the owner and we could have a discussion about anything they want to talk about over the last three years. And I can inform it by just looking at this data. And it's, it's crazy how, how spot on it is, but nobody in the golf, very few people in the golf industry, a thin layer, understand that. And that's when my, that's when my buddy, Brett Darrow, who was the founder of Cypress Golf Solutions, which became Golf Now, that's when I kind of picked back up with him and, and Andy Seitz. And, and, and we were like, he's like, dude, you gotta, we gotta automate this. You know, we've got to actually take this information and turn it into forecasting and pricing platforms. Right. Let's just let's just cut out the analytics. The analytics are there. We'll always have them. But what we need to do, I'm trying to tell guys, listen, you got to look at this report and you got to make these decisions and you got to, you got to, you got to. And and most of the golf industry it, very don't don't know how to write an Excel program and an Excel formula. Right. So 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 they're just like, let's just cut to the chase. Let's build a forecasting and pricing platform that 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 we can use uh, that you that we can go sell the golf courses instead. And that's when we created Sagacity. OK, so the Orca report is putting this just so I'm getting it followed. So the Orca report is this whole report and everything. And then you just well, you were saying the last minute, you know, so now we're going to sort of turn it. And, yeah, we got the data, but let's sort of fo- be forward looking and how you kind of use this to improve yeah, things. Yeah, and that's what yeah. sagacity is. Yeah, sort of. yeah, totally. That's exactly what we do. Right. So we basically, you know, take three years of historical data at a golf course and then we use that data and we project out in advance Uh, then we use it to actually inform you know what what we would call forecasted demand right so then we end up bolting our technology onto an existing tea sheet that they're using and then we are reading what they've got on their tea sheet you know downstream in terms of how 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 many rounds are on the books and we know from the historical data how many rounds we expect to pick up you know based on based on the history right so we say oh you, you know, you've got eight rounds this hour, right? But we expect that you're going to get another 15 rounds and that's going to end up with 23, you know, and your historical occupancy in this hour is only 19. So even with eight rounds on the books, we know that they're going to end up ahead of pace. So this is mind blowing to many of the people that are, you know, going through this kind of rote, you know, uh, micromanaging of just looking what the current capacity is. And so we've, you know, we've run into our share of blockers because we're moving their cheese, right? We're people who think they're doing a good job because they're spending three hours a day looking at their T-sheet for the next three or five days, deciding, you know, what where they're going to raise their... First of all, nobody raises their rate when they're doing that. All they're doing is lowering their rate. So, so, so yeah, so we've got this, this automation right now that's a game changer. It's a world beater, but, you know, trying to get the golf industry to, to, to actually... Well, and we've also been hampered over the last couple of years by COVID, right? Sure. Because COVID just blew up and everybody went and go went and played and and you know and all these all these owners and operators think they're you know think they're you know think they're geniuses because occupancy went up by fifteen percent or twenty percent right 
so anyway, now yeah, I could. It's it's a it's a very and and you know I'm passionate about it as you can tell. Um, I want to help make make PGA golf professionals' lives better, right? Because it hits home to me, right? I was that kid at the dinner table, you know, in the summer, you know, waiting for dad to come down from the golf course, right? And having family dinners late at night, knowing, yeah. you know, just just knowing, you know, what goes into actually running a golf course. Right. It ain't easy. No. You know? It all. ain't easy. And and so if people would just get out of their ways and let us handle the pricing, they they'd win a whole bunch of time back they'd have better revenue. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that's my elevator pitch. So, so do you, so, so talk to me a little, this is great. And I, and I love the passion and it, and it makes all the sense in the world. So you're selling this, is it, it's a, so this is a product you come in as, I mean, do they subscribe to it or kind of what's the, it's a, yeah. I, I'm no, assuming no, it's, it's subscription it's, based or something. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a SaaS model there, Latham and Watkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's, yeah, no, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's a subscription based program. And, you know, what, and again, we are, you know, Truth be told, we're we're in the process of reevaluating our messaging right now as a company, right? Because we we like to build products, right? We've got great products. We've got booking engines. We've got uh, these pricing tools. We've got an email platform. You know, we're just we've just spent six months completely revamping our mobile app, um, and 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 the, and the. And we have a, a really dedicated group of people in our organization that have been together, frankly, since the golf nowadays, right? So, wow. so we wow. we we know this space better than anybody. And 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 the courses who the courses who perform the best with us are the courses where we've earned their trust, and they basically let us run our playbook. Right. And so so we're really a sales and marketing organization and and really just leveraging our suite of technology systems to 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 help um, price inventory, but to get more money off the T-sheet when you have the demand to save yourself from discounting when you don't need to. We help you build your own direct consumer engagement platform. I mean, our our app is 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 awesome. And, 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 you know, and if you think about, if you think about, you know, what the industry is talking about of holding on to the pandemic golfer, right, the Gen Xer who came to golf through COVID, right, and that's, they're the response, they're responsible more than anything for the bump in occupancy. And so now how are we going to keep them? And we believe that we're going we're to keep them. And we want to help the golf courses, right? We don't have a brand, right? We're a B2B platform. And so we're right, right. really trying to help golf courses um, do a better job. And, 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 and it stands to reason that, you know, the mobile app should be a big piece of that. And, and so we've got a communication, you know, we've got a content feed now in it. You know, we're working on some 
um, some other content from auctions to to spin the wheel to we have a whole mobile payment platform just like Starbucks, right? So you oh, can wow. go yeah. and load a thousand dollars on your app and 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 you know you load a thousand get. 1250 load 50 get 50 load 200 get 225 whatever it is right so yeah so, so you you get you get you get you just drive more and more engagement we've come out with products for the private club industry we've created a strategic partnership with a company called club benchmarking that and that's how i met rob right Oosterhaus. Okay, because I think and, and, and you're going great. I want to talk about this because I was I'm listening listening to you, and uh, trying to digest this and thinking about it. And I'm thinking, was this mostly public courses? And and so I'm and and I know you know Rob. We both do, and and obviously he's private club. So yeah. So tell me about that. I'm curious about that aspect because I can kind of see it. You know the public course and the pricing and everything. But if you're in a private club model where you're not, you know, selling individual tea time. Talk about that aspect and what you what you offer yeah. for those folks. Well, so um, my, I've you know being a muni kid, right? And you know I didn't really under I didn't didn't really understand the not for profit member owned private club, and and so club benchmarking has totally um, you know informed me in in that world ray cronin and jim butler eric gregory who's who's the uh, the executive director for for california man it's awesome because what i've learned about private clubs in in, in the, the the member-owned private clubs is that you know there's there's kind of it's a capital game. It's a, it's a capital game, right? The courses, the clubs, the, the healthiest clubs in America, as measured by initiation fee and subscription level, the healthiest courses in America, with the highest of both of those are courses that ha have the highest capital investment in their club. Okay. And so, and what, what also is interesting to me that I never knew before is because, because these are not for profit clubs, they're required to, uh, uh, um, to, required to, to, to submit uh, an IRS form 990. 90, right. Exactly. Which is, which is essentially an income statement and a balance sheet. Right. 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 And, and so there's two, there's two indicators that club benchmarking have called out for their after their decade or more of work, and it's it, as a quick indicator. It is the it is the uh, the the compounded annual growth rate of the unrestricted net asset, which is really member equity. So so that 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 compounded annual growth rate is it growing or is it flat or is it declining? And and then there is this other uh, measurement, which is the net to gross PP&E ratio, right? What did I spend for all of my improvements minus land and how much of that is depreciated? So if my ratio is low, and my compound and annual growth rate is flat or declining, well, then I'm in a I'm I'm in, I'm in and and so I've got lower I've got lower subscription levels I've got lower uh, initiation fees I've got you know I don't have a waiting list I've got tired everything right and so and so so and and what club benchmarking is has taught what what I've learned and you know again I'm late to the party on all this it's all about club governance. 
it's all about the board and it's all about what the board is focused on. If the board, and there's all, and if you listen to Ray and Jim and they'd be, and they'd be either one of those would be a great addition to your. Yeah. Your I would love to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, if a board, if you go to a board meeting and the board's talking about, you know, food and beverage hours or food and beverage margins. Okay. That's a disaster. Okay. If, if Cause there's only one job that the board has and that's to grow to grow the member equity, right? Which is, which it all revolves around capital investment, right? So if you're not doing that, you're, you're, you're losing, you're losing. And it just shows up. It's just plain as day. So, and so what we're doing with them is, and, and what, if you, if you go back and read the golf digest article of a couple of years ago um, uh, about club benchmarking, they basically put clubs in three buckets, green, yellow, and red. And, you know, 15% of the clubs in America are in the green bucket. They're, you know, growing equity, grow, you know, low, low, low net to PPE ratio, high do, high initiation fees, high membership subscriptions level. And then you've got, you know, basically 50% in the middle and you, and you got another 15 or 20% in the, in the red bucket. And these guys are all kind of going the other way. So what we're doing is we've put together uh, a, a, a we've put together what we're calling visitor play, so we're we're providing a visitor play program for these red and yellow bucket clubs who who have a lot of unused asset in terms of their tea time inventory, right? They need they need a club benchmarking engagement. They need a capital reserve study. They need a membership, you know, uh, 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 questionnaire to kind of decide where the club is. They need, they need to know how to operate as a board, right? They need to have a board retreat. They need to have board, you know, governance and workshops, all this kind of stuff. But yet that's a shock to their system. And so what we're doing is we're coming in and saying, hey, we can help you, you know, by funding this engagement with club benchmarking and by also generating some additional income by selling some of your unused tea time inventory. Right. And we and we build an app. We take our app and we create this private app. And we're really trying to model it after the European programs, right? If you, if you've, have you been to Europe? Yeah, right? no, I was going to say it's, I was exactly thinking that and what, and obviously you know this, but a lot of people don't, I mean, even a place like Muirfield, which is, you yeah. know, kind of the zenith of private clubs there, but it, yeah, you know, on down all the, you know, uh, just for our listeners, I mean, the, the elite clubs in the UK um, you know, that the equivalents of the Seminole Cypress go down yeah. the list, Augusta, they actually, you know, if you send a letter in advance, they actually do have outside times and stuff, right? No, there's no, they literally have booking engines on their websites. Right on now. their website now. Well, yeah. I'm, so I'm old. I haven't been to Scotland and, you know, yeah, you're you had, that's about, the way you had to do it. Right. right. You, you, back you so back in the or, day. Right. When, yeah. when you were at when you were at Hartford Golf Club for the 94 mid amateur, that's about the last time uh, I was uh, traveling oh, overseas. So I go back that far. So that's interesting. It doesn't surprise me that now it's yeah. automated. Yeah, no, it's it's. And so so I mean, a, a perfect <laughs> example is um, North Barrack. Right. Yeah. In, in East Lothian. Right. Right. Ho home of the Redan. Right. Famous exactly. Uh, hall. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Famous course. I mean, their 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 annual dues are like, you know, a thousand pounds. Right. Sixty percent of that, that club's income comes from visitor play. 
everybody knows it. Everybody appreciates it. And you mentioned Seminole and Pine Valley and Cypress, you know, Olympic Club. I mean, you can go up and down the list. There, there's a private network of, of, of action, right, that you, that, that you can play those clubs right now. Right. And so all we're trying to do is we're just kind of trying to democratize that for and even, you know, even a club on the peninsula or even a club in L.A. Right. I mean, you know, there are times if you gave us the T-sheet at Brentwood and you show and let us analyze the T-sheet, we could probably circle about 100 hours of the year where you could send off a couple of groups uh, and nobody know the difference. You could probably do a thousand rounds of golf there and you could probably pull in five or 600 rounds of shooter. And why wouldn't that help, help, help lighten the load of the members? Right. It's very interesting. What, what is sort of your, um, what's the response you've gotten so far from the private clubs? I mean, maybe the red and yellows, you know, would gobble it up. I, I can just, I'm just thinking this as I'm processing it, as I'm listening to you and sort of, obviously i've no doubt you know in terms of there being inventory available yeah. that's of course you're right um but the culture of a lot of clubs in america yeah. private clubs is yeah. so different than even these you know elite clubs in the uk be you know where yeah. it's just it's it's a mindset that's really different totally. and, and yeah. so i'm just curious what's the response you've gotten to this well, we just start we just started this we, we, we literally just started it about four months ago. And the first club, coincidentally enough, is Riverview Golf and Country Club in okay. Redding, California. Oh, that's so funny, right? I mean, you know, and talk about full circle. My cousin uh, from my uh, first cousin from, I mentioned Gail, right? The, 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 yeah. My, my aunt, uh, Donnie, Don, Donald. Donald Edward Frank is, uh, you know, he's lived in Reading all his life and and he's the president of the club. And he, wow. he called me up six months ago and he's like, we need a new GM. And I'm like, and so we had that conversation. Then he, and I said, well, and then when they had candidates, you know, he called me up. My, his actually, his, his, his son, my second cousin called me up and he said, hey, Uncle Mike, help me figure out who we should hire. And I'm like, dude, you don't know the first thing about hiring somebody. Call club benchmarking. Yeah, right? yeah, and so yeah. they call club benchmarking and, and that rocked their world. And, and, and they're like, well, we want to hire club benchmarking, but we can't afford to hire them right now. And I'm like, well, we got the, well, I got the solution. I got, you that. got the funding solution for let's, them, right? Let's create a visitor <laughs> program. <clears throat> and so, so that was the first one. And, you know, we, we and we just hired a guy, uh, not a guy, uh, an industry, an industry icon in Northern California, a kid named Scott Hoyt, right? Scott was the general manager of Plaza Tempo for 11 years. Oh, wow. So you guys hired him. That's interesting. Well, we Gave him the opportunity because he ran into my cousin Donnie because Scott, you know, worked for my dad back in the early 70s while Scott oh, wow. was going to San Jose State. My dad, you know, I, I, you know, so Scott was, you know, Scott was running around La Viega. He and, he and my cousin are the same age. They bumped into each other just as we launched this program with 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 Riverview. And Donnie said to Scott. Scott said to Donnie, what's going on? Donnie said, boom, here's what we're doing. And Hoyt was like, wow, every private club in America should be doing this. They should be selling a few rounds of golf every, every, every day. What the heck, right? It's not gonna, it, it, it and it's gonna generate a whole, a, a whole bunch of extra income. And so Scott, who had just resigned from Pasa Tiempo, you know, called me up and we started talking. I'm like, dude, you can come and do this. You'd be perfect for this. 
so 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 uh so so we got riverview and we got another club called yolo flyers out in woodland california right so okay so i feel we can go right down the central valley of california right right we right can pick off visalia we can pick off sunnyside we can pick off you know something in bakersfield and it's just it's 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 really and and you're right you know and again, I've been calling on golf courses for a you know for thirty years, right? I I used to have to explain to the pros like this, you know, this is how you it, it, it so so it's it's not easy. There's a whole bunch of bias in it. There's a whole bunch of um, there's a whole bunch of uh, fear more yeah. than any, right? Yeah, it's, absolutely. I'm sure so, of that. So it's just. You know, and it's it's so anyway, what's cool about the private gig versus the public gig and those member owned equity clubs, you you can call bullshit, dude, right. you need the money. Don't right. tell me where this isn't for us. I mean, you, you guys, you know, your your value has gone from 20 million dollars to 10 million dollars over the last 15 years. OK, right. your 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 assets are almost fully depreciated you got your you've got half of your membership role filled at this point right you guys have uh, uh, you know so 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 that, that's and and the other thing that i found interesting on the private side is that it's the profit motive is isn't there like in the public side right so those people running public golf courses see it as their job to drive the revenue. And so they look at you as a, someone who can drive revenue better than they can as a threat until they figure out that we don't want their job. We just want right, to right, right. make it better. And so, right. but you talk to a board member, he's not trying to make it. He's trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to just preserve. He, he or she's just trying to, you know, make the club better. You know, so and and the GM or the general or the head golf professional, the director of golf, they're not, you know, they don't look at it like we're coming after your job. They they could use the help from right. an industry insider to help them battle the board. Right, right. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know, I'm so the, the other thing I'm thinking about as I'm listening to you. I mean, just in terms of getting the word out generally, not you know, private clubs, public clubs, just your customer potential customer base generally. How do you do that? I mean, are you partnering? I'm, I'm just thinking of places, like, you know, Troon Management or Club Corp or, you know, the places. I mean, do you sort of go, I mean, folks that are sort of, you know, have like Club yeah. Corp must have 200 plus clubs. And I mean, yeah. Concert Golf Partners is another one that, yeah. I mean, I actually, you know, small, small world. Peter uh, Nanula, you, you well, guys. Peter Nanula and I were, Peter Nanula and I were college golf teammates yeah so so i know pete for a ride so so I mean, i'm just thinking of all these different outfits i mean you must have contacts do you kind of yeah. connect with them because i mean that would be a natural partner i think some of these folks might be for you well i mean pete nula knows the private game business right buy the club right, right. Buy the club invest in the in the pro invest in the assets right and grow the membership rate grow, grow right. the initiation fee right that is the playbook right, right. that is the playbook and so he he's happily you know, killing it in the private space. Yeah, he, he sure is choosing his opportunities, right? Exactly. The management companies do. I, I, you know, listen. I think the management companies. Uh, the they they, they I'm not. I they 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 need to do better. Yeah. Management companies need to do better. Okay. Management companies. Mostly look at us as a as a as a 
as a threat. As a threat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was curious. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, big time, you know, that that's supposedly their secret sauce is pricing and marketing, right? Most of them do a shitty job. Yeah. In theory it is right. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's, it took me a lot to say that right there. <laughs> I I could I, I get it I get it. No, I could, I, if we if we weren't we're being recorded, I could be really <laughs> colorful. I understand. I understand. I appreciate you sharing what you did. Um, it's fascinating. It's an it's a, and I love the passion. And so I mean, you guys just. It's, I know you've been doing this your whole career, but Sagasti's only been around since 2019. So I mean, you're still. Yeah. I'm sure you guys feel like there's a long runway ahead of you, right? In terms of growth yeah. and stuff. Oh yeah. 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 No, we've, we, you know, we've got a partnership with the PGA of America, right? So that's a big deal for us. Oh, I, so let's talk. I didn't realize that. So you guys. Yeah. Are, uh, yeah. I mean, that's a, again, each one of these subjects can be like an hour long deep dive into this thing. Right. Because, you know, the, 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 you know, there's 26,000, you know, PGA golf professionals in America and, and there's 15,000 golf facilities and, you know, and, and if you, and, and so, you know, the current leadership and, and when you look at the, the PGA is not, PGA of America is not unlike a private member owned equity club in that right. they've got members. It's members. members absolutely. Businesses. I mean, we've had, I, and, I just had Paul, I had Paul Levy on the other day. I've had Tom as I've had, I don't know. I think a number of PGA of America former presidents, yeah. Ted Bishop, going back further. So yeah, you described it yeah. exactly the way they all say it. Exactly, it's a member-owned yeah, organization. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and 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 that and Seth Waugh and and uh, right. Steve Price and John Easterbrook and Henry Smokler and you know the Arjun Chowdhury, right? That's staff. Right. And so, so you know, and, and the current vice president, Don Ray, has been a, a, a friend of ours for 20 years, right? And so Don is, a, he's another, he'd be another great guest on yeah. your podcast because yeah. he's, he's, got, he's, got a, he's got 14 years. His origin story in the golf business is awesome, right? He was a, he was a major league umpire. Uh, he was a professional. Really? A 14, wow. year, 14, year, 14 year umpire, never made it to the bigs. Uh, but, but he's 14 years in the deal and was, was delivering packages in the off season for UPS and, you know, would hit balls at Riverview. Don as efficient as he has gotten done with his route early or early for lunch. And at a, at a course now we're actually the, the Chicago Cubs spring training site is located. It used to be a course down there. Don would hit balls and uh and that got him hooked and so he got into the business and now he's now he owns a he owns a club in in uh in mesa a par 61 uh uh golf course and he's the he's the he's the secretary or the vice president of the pga is going to be the pga of america wow you know, when when the Ryder cup comes to beth page yeah right? yeah exactly so 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 Don is passionate about trying to make the life of the PGA member better. And he sees what we've done with data, uh, not only in a market like Phoenix, where everybody has access to our performance data and and they can really see the see their, you know, see how they're doing, but how he's how he's thrived with our technology too, because he's a paid customer of ours. And so, so he wanted to 
help the PG, and he believes that, as do I, that 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 bringing that that data, both on the public side and on the private side, and this transactional operational data that that can be used to deliver KPIs and let you see how you compare to your marketplace, is going to help you explain your performance to your ownership more professionally than you've ever done before. It's also going to help you elevate your operational game so that you can um, outperform the market. Okay. And take credit for it and ultimately drive uh, better contracts for yourself, better compensation packages for yourself, and ultimately get you out of this micromanagement of, you know, the knobs that run a golf course, right? And into kind of the broader, you know, sure. broader piece of the of the business. So, so we created a partnership with with the PG of America to bring our reporting platform. Uh, to 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 them, and so we created a free report for public and private golf courses, and and so I mean it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a big big deal, and we're about eighteen months into it. We've got about a thousand courses that have signed up. Wow. Um. Yeah, and a lot of work still left to do, you know, because because we're trying to change the hearts and minds of people. You know, and we're and and there's a whole segment of those guys that are dinosaurs that yeah. aren't going to change, and yeah. they need to go. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to focus on those, you know, j- millennials that are coming up, and yeah. and trying to you know trying to figure out a way to get. And we don't need everybody, right? You know, there's 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 people that are going to want to specialize in turf grass. There's people that are going to want to specialize in instruction and coaching, right? There, there's a whole, there's a whole litany of things to do, but for those, I mean, the, the industry, you know, whatever is 84 billion based on its last economic impacts sur- survey and 23 billion of that is, 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 is around the T sheet. Right. Yeah, so, right. So, right. So, so, you know, and, and if you don't, if you and yeah, so and I want to help him. I want to help empower the PJ golf professional to go to to go solve that management uh, company role for the owner and get the owner instead of paying one hundred seventy five or two hundred thousand dollars in a fee to to the management company and and oh by the way the owner still backstops every expense still writes every check right the uh, the management company has no risk in it but yet they're taking out what should be the profit motive right for the PGA general manager yeah absolutely absolutely so 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 yeah i mean and and again i'm just a i'm just a little dude in Scottsdale Arizona that that you know is crazy it, you know, just uh, it's just I can't say that stuff out loud for for too long because you know we're still small and and but we're we're you know it's just it's awesome it's a it's 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 a it's a it's a great opportunity I'm you know even though I said early that that I never believed in myself as a golfer um, you know I believe in myself as a you know just you know as an advocate for for the industry and for the people who who you know, oh, 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 their, oh, their careers to the industry. So, so I, 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 I love it. And uh, I just wish that, um, I just wish that, uh, that, that I, that I have, can, I, I wish that I could connect with more people <laughs> well, know, to get them. 
yeah. to get them get, to see the world the way I do. Well, it's a compelling story. I mean, that is for sure. I mean, and and I have suspicious suspect as time goes on and younger folks come in and who are more um, comfortable with data um, than some of the older folks that you're just going to get more and more successful because, you know, you're, as you said, well, I mean, the data is both allowing you to sort of improve your performance significantly and to do so more efficiently in the terms of instead of sitting there, you know, scratching your head. I mean, you, you get to a better Guess, answer. We call it quicker. guessing. We call guessing. it guessing. Well, that, <laughs> that'd be the stop, technical term, guessing. Stop, stop guessing. Right? That's all anybody's doing, right? Yeah, and you're, I, you're, you're so right. Hey, Mike, this has been fantastic. I, I love the passion. Um, I know we could talk for hours about about five different topics, I can tell. But this has been great. Um, thank you so much for spending the time with us today and educating me and the rest of the people listening to this about the great stuff you're doing, um, Sagacity. And um, I wish you the very, very best. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today very much. Thanks.